Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I just leaned over and told Julie, we've got to find a worship song that's got that beat right there. And Pastor might hurt himself one Sunday. I don't know. I like that. I like that. I don't know why I like it so much, but I like it. I want it. I want it bad. So um, we've been talking about how we communicate anger. And man, look at y'all. Everybody's out. What's going on? This is good. Uh, we might have to. Okay. Okay. I like it. I like it. I just looked up for the first time, really. All right. So um, we've been talking about how we communicate anger. And there are a lot of ways that we say we're angry, and we've talked about some of those, but I got something for you this morning. I found, the, I, I didn't even know, I, I mean, I kind of knew, but I didn't know this. Did you know that in different parts of the country, there are different ways to say that you're angry or mad? Okay, yeah, I know we know that, but you don't know this. I, maybe you know this, maybe you're smarter than me. I didn't know that they said it like this. Like, for instance, if you go to Nevada, uh, the way they say, this is one of the ways they might tell you that they're angry. They say, I'm about to get my chin out. I've never heard that, but that's why I don't live in Nevada. All right, so, uh, and, and in Kentucky, I'm chewing fire. You know, it's so, some, I saw somebody shake their head, yes, I had never heard that one. Uh, in the north, of course, we know about the north, they're kind of odd anyway, but instead of saying, I have a, I'm, I'm about to have a cow, they say, I'm about to have kittens. I, I don't know, that tells you a lot about the north right there, um, in my opinion. Um, yeah, no wonder. Okay, in New England, it's a, I'm about to go feather white. I never heard that one either. I don't understand. It's okay. Okay, and then in the West, now, this is the true West. This is not like you grew, you know, I'm not talking like you grew up in Oklahoma City West. I'm talking like in the West West, like John Wayne, uh, Audie Murphy West. You would say it like this. I'm in a horns and rattles mood. Okay, y'all don't, okay, y'all don't, I understand, all right, so th there's a lot of ways we say that I'm angry, a uh, bunch of different ways we communicate it, uh, but, but unfortunately, how we handle anger usually doesn't vary that much from location to location. We mishandle anger. We, don't, we allow anger to destroy rather than to be constructive. And so what we've been doing is we've been talking about the fact that if we could allow our anger to graduate, to, to mature, that it, would be, uh, utilize, it could be utilized by not only us but by God to help us to do something, to motivate us, to move us, to call us to action. And that's what we've been talking about. We want to move from just being mad to now being mad, making a difference. That's the goal. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So we've been looking at um, David's mighty men. And we said that David's mighty men somehow made this transition. When they show up, you know the verse of scripture, we've read it every week. When they show up, they're, they're not making any difference. They're just angry. In fact, let me read it to you how they're described one more time. First uh, Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 2, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt 
or discontented gathered around him. Man, that's a great crowd to have around you, isn't it? Some of y'all got Facebook friends that fall into this category right here. They're in debt. They're okay. Um, they're discontented. Okay. They're, 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 they're in distress. I mean, have you hit anybody lately on your Facebook feed? It's good for the soul. Some of y'all need to go home and hide some. Okay. Uh, that's who he's got around him, about 400 men. One, one uh, translation says this, there were men who were there who were in, in some kind of trouble, who, men who owed a lot of money, and men who, could, who were just not satisfied with life. Bitter with life. My favorite description is broke, busted, and disgusted, right? That's, that's the crowd. They're angry. They're mad. But along the way, they make this major transition and they take that same anger and they harness it and they begin to make a difference. And that's what we've been looking at. So let's go back to our text. Second Samuel chapter 23. We're going to read a passage that I have read all my life. And I will just be honest with you. Um, have y'all ever come across these passages you read in scripture where you understand them, but you just dismiss them? They don't have any. Okay, that's this one. For me, that's this one. See, see if you're in the same place. Second Samuel chapter 23, beginning in verse 13. At harvest time, three of the 30 leading men came to David at the cave of Adullam. Boy, he spent a lot of time in that cave, by the way. When a troop from the Philistine army was camping in the valley, the valley of Rephaim. While David was in the fortified camp, Philistine troops were at Bethlehem. When David became thirsty, he said, I wish I could have a drink of water from the well at the city gate of Bethlehem. So the three fighting men burst into the Philistine camp and drew water from the well. And they brought it to David, but he refused to drink it. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord and said, it is unthinkable that I would do this, Lord. This is the blood of men who risked their lives. So he refused to drink it. So I've read that I don't know how many times in my life. Never even hit me until I begin to think about how do we move from being mad to mad. This, this portion, if you go back, and I hope you will, because we've, we've covered a, a big portion of it. We're not going to cover them all. Uh, the list and, uh, of the mighty men of David and some of the descriptions of all they've done found here in 2 Samuel or also in 1 Chronicles 11. What, you just, what, what I see is that now, now I see this. Th this passage right here stands in stark contrast compared to all the rest of the list. It's totally different. It doesn't seem different just if you just kind of read it in passing, but, but, but if you stop long enough to think about what it says, it stands in stark contrast. We talked about the incredible actions of Eleazar. We talked about the, in the barley field, remember? We talked about Shema in the pea patch, because we got to pee, right? Uh, yeah, I hope you'll never forget that. And then last week, we talked about my favorite character in the entire Bible, I think, other than Jesus. Abishai, the father of a gift, right? So, so now when you read that three mighty men got together, went to get water for David to drink, you're like, big deal. Big whooping deal. Until you start thinking about this and then you recognize that there is a truth here that if we aren't careful, we not only miss in the narrative, but we also miss as a key principle to move from mad to making a difference. Are you ready? There are three moves that we must make if we're going to accomplish this move. 
this transition. The first is this. I want you to notice that all the other accounts we mentioned so far and those that are yet to be mentioned, I want you to go back and think about it. They all detail the activities of one man. One person. Eleazar in the barley field, Shema in the pea patch, Abishai taking on the giant that was about to kill David. One man. And now all of a sudden, right in the middle of this passage, and we almost pass over it, we suddenly recognize that it's talking about three men working together. And what I want you to hear me to under, and understand is that there are moments that in order to make a difference, you must cooperate with other people. So if we're going to make a difference, then we must make this move from gift to gifts. It is quiet up in here. Are y'all just thinking with me? I hope you are, because I need you to understand that in your life, in the task and the assignment and the directive that you're going to hear from God, I hope you're already hearing from God, you will also discover that there are moments in those tasks, in those assignments, that you cannot pull this off by yourself. You are going to have to learn to attach your talents and your abilities and the gifts that God has given to you to somebody else in order to be able to pull this off. In other words, to make a difference, you can't always do your own thing all by yourself. Well, I mean, listen, you're going to need others. We should have learned this. I mean, th this is like booster band. This is like, this is, like, what, do you, what do you call those? Where you did sandpaper in the blocks. I don't know what you sing. What, what, do you, what did we call it when we sang? I, what, was it still the booster band and we sang too? Okay, it was the booster band and vocals. All right, so, so we sang. When we all pull together, pull together. Come on, y'all want to do it? Y'all want to see some of you know the motions. We pull together. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, I'm, I'm just waiting. Some of you are doing it. You know it all. Like, so, so, so when we all pull together, and then it says, happy will be. Why? Because we're attaching our gifts to each other. See, um, it isn't that you don't make a difference or you can't make a difference individually because you can. And it's not that there are not moments in your life where you will have to take a stand when nobody else will. That's not the issue. It's not that you can't do it by yourself sometimes. It's the fact that you will make a greater difference when you learn to attach your gifts and cooperate with somebody else. Uh, see, see uh, um, I, I've discovered that, that um, it, when you look around and, and people are trying to do things, a lot of times they grow weary in what they're doing. Ever, anybody ever been weary in, in, while they're serving? Yeah, and you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that typically it's not the size of the task or the job. You know what's wrong? The size of the team. We get tired when we try to do it all by ourselves because we were never intended to carry the burden all by ourselves. We, God designed us to cooperate. And in this account, these three mighty men, they, they, they figure it out. They, these three guys have done some incredible things on their own, but they recognize in this particular situation, it's going to take all three of us to pull this off. And so they cooperate and they work together. And scripture bear this out, bears this out. Now, y'all know, those of you that have been here know, I'm glad y'all weren't with me in high school when I struggled through math. I hate math, all right? If you love math, blessings on you. I got questions. We'll do a deliverance service afterwards to deal with your math fetish. I, I got some problems with math, all right? Uh, I, I think when Satan fell out of the heaven, he fell right into the math class. Somebody said he fell into the choir loft. I beg to differ. He fell into trigonometry and, and 
but, but in Leviticus chapter 26, now, by the way, there's a passage of scripture that uh, we quote that's wrong. Uh, it's, we, it's one will put a thousand to flight, two, 10,000. That's wrong. Go back and read it. God is saying in that passage that because Israel was not living correctly, that the enemy was going to do that to them. But I found one in Leviticus chapter 22 when he's talking about us, or 26. In, in Leviticus chapter 26, he says it like this. He says, five of you, talking about the nation of Israel and now us, five of you will pursue 100. Okay, y'all know I don't like math, but I can figure that one out. That means every one of you is going to deal with 20 enemy soldiers, right? That's easy math. Okay, it gets more complicated. Then he says, and 100 of you will pursue 10,000. Wait a minute. Five to 20. Now 100 of you are going to deal with 10,000. I got to check my notes because that's the only way I can keep the math straight. Uh, if you do the math, what we're doing now is we're recognizing that one soldier for Israel in the first equation is only able to deal with 20. But when you combine your efforts with the other 99, now you can deal with 100. Okay, you missed it. All right, so, so five can deal with 100. If you do the math and you carry it out, 100 Israeli soldiers should only be able to deal with 2,000. Do the math if you stay at 20. But something happens when we join our gifts to one another and now we move from addition to multiplication. And so now where I could only take 20 by myself now because I've joined my gift with you, now I have the capacity to deal with more. I can deal with 100 all by myself. Not because of my ability, not because of my skill. Nothing's changed except this. I join my gift with yours. That's why we need people to travel with us and to fight alongside of us to make the most difference. Some of you are making a difference in your individual life, but may I challenge you this morning and say to you that although you are making a difference in your individual life, you will make a more significant difference if you would allow somebody else to attach their gift and their abilities with you. That's why we challenge you to serve. The reason we want you to serve is not so that we get cheap labor. It has nothing to do with it. The reason that you come to Passion and we continually talk to you about you need to serve, you need to plug in. Now you need to heal first, but once you heal, you need to plug, plug in and serve. Why? Because greater victories are won when we work together more significant impact. And so some of you are sitting around thinking that the team seems full. There's no room for me. They got enough ushers. They've got enough, they've got enough uh, singers. They've got enough children. Doesn't matter if the, the team is at capacity. We will add you to the team anyway because it may be your gift that pushes us to this level of making a difference that we would have never achieved without your gift. We must move from gift to gifts. Uh, there's a second move that we need to make because I, I just have a simple question for you. Do you want to make a difference? Come on. Anybody want to make a difference? I know you do. I know you do. That's why you show up week after week. That's why you showed up at the block party. That's, that's, why, that's why you showed up at Habitat for Humanity. That's why you're bringing gift cards. That's why you do what you do at work. We want to make a difference, right? So, so that's our goal. That's what we want to do. Well, I, 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 I think that in this account, 
there is a secret that's shared that I've never seen before that I think may be the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce of us being able to move from mad to mad. If we're going, because I don't want to just make a difference, I want to make a significant difference. I mean, I'm getting, some of y'all getting older with me. I'm not getting as old as you are, but I'm getting older. I, I age at a much slower process than you do on purpose. Uh, but what I recognize is that, and, and some of the young people in the room may not recognize this yet because there's this dawning of the, the day that comes when you hit certain numbers and more candles start showing up and you start recognizing that you're closer to the end than the beginning and you have a, a limited amount of time and all of a sudden you recognize, man, I don't just want to make a difference. I want to make a significant difference. And I think I may have discovered the secret sauce. Are you ready? Okay, notice the text, what it says. It says, when David became thirsty, he said, I wish I could have a drink of water from the well at the city, of, city gate of Bethlehem. So the three fighting men burst into the Philistine camp and drew water from the well. Look at it again. Oh, man, I've been waiting all week to say this right here. We will make the most difference when we are able to move from command to wish. Go back to the text. David could have given a command and said, I'm the king. Go get me water and go to Bethlehem and get it. And they would have had to go. He didn't do that. All the king did was say, I wished I had a drink from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. And all of a sudden, these three guys are so devoted to the king that they are motivated to take action by the mere wish of the king. Some of us are sitting around waiting to make a difference So when we discover that we've been ordered to do something. Like, I order you to love one another. That's in the book, by the way. I order you to carry one another's burdens. That one's in there too. It's a command. I order you to tithe. In other words, he's giving us commands. But oh, the day would arrive in our lives, because I think this is the secret sauce, where we stop sitting around waiting on commands, and we become so committed to the, the, the heart of the king, and we're so devoted to the king, that we begin to operate not just on what he commands us to do, but instead we begin to think about what he wishes we would do. And when we, mo when we make that kind of move, can I tell you, when we make the move from command to wish, we will make the greatest and the most significant difference in the life, in our life and in the lives of others. When we operate on his wishes, oh, that we would become so committed to the heart of the king that we, when we get wind of a wish, we would go, wait a minute, his wish is my command. So now... It goes like this. I mean, by the way, you could refuse. It's not an order. You, you could make the statement, uh, that isn't my area of interest. It's not an order. That's not in my comfort zone. It's, it's not an order. I don't prefer to do that. 
It's not an order. I don't like those people. It's not an order, but it's a wish. And if we could come to this place where we go out of the, the, the need for a command and we grow up to where we begin to operate and respond to the wishes of the king, we would make a significant difference. Can I tell you the backstory? These guys risk their lives. They go out of their way. They fight their way to water. That doesn't sound like that big of an accomplishment, but do you recognize the commentaries say it's they, they, they differ in opinion, but does it really matter? One of them says that they went 12 miles one way. The, another commentary says they went 20 miles one way. It doesn't really matter. What we also know is this, that the entire time they're going, they're fighting their way through the line. They're, they're, they're coming in contact, they're engaging with the enemy soldiers, the army of the Philistines are set up and they fight them all the way and they get water. This is a significant accomplishment. They fight that, they, they risk their lives to honor the wish of their king. So I just need to tell you that the actions of these three guys, they force us, they force us to adjust the attitudes that we have. I'm tired. Got to address it. You think they weren't tired? Let's go walk 20 miles this afternoon. And while we're going, we'll hit you on the way. <laughs> One way. Then you got to fight your way back. It, it makes us deal with this idea of I'm busy. They had other stuff they could have done. It was the time of harvest. Go back and read the scripture. It was the time of harvest. There's stuff to be done during the time of harvest. Some of y'all grew up in the city. You got no clue what there is to do in the time of harvest. But can I just tell you from some guy that grew up in West Oklahoma, although I never went to harvest, thank you, Jesus, because it's tough. Can I tell you there's stuff to do? They could have done something else, but the wish of the king it forces us to adjust our attitude of even when it's, it's a battle, even when it's dangerous, even when it isn't our preference. We come to this place of maturity in our walk with Christ that we move to this. If he wishes that I would show love to someone who isn't like me, I will. It's just his wish. It means if, if he wished that I would shut my mouth, be slow to respond, even though I have the right to say what I want to say, this isn't about my rights, it's about the fact that he wishes that I would be slow to respond. If he wishes that I would worship, wait a minute, I don't like the song. Y'all don't think that still happens? That still happens. We were just in a, an environment uh, last Sunday night in a meeting where that was the whole issue was they were scared that, about the style of song. You're going to make us get rid of old stuff and it's going to be too loud. and there, there might be some lights and, and we don't know about that. We don't like it like that. Well, I'm sorry we're not worshiping you. The wish of the king is that we worship him. Okay, that went over huge. Okay, but, but I don't like that tune. Does it matter? Can, can I let y'all in on a secret? I don't even like all the stuff we sing. I don't, but I sure like Jesus. 
And so I worship. Break out a hymn in here. I'll worship. Come on now. Break out some little style I'm not comfortable with. It don't matter. I will worship. Because I'm not worshiping the song. I'm worshiping him. Just his wishes. He wishes to be worshipped. He wishes to be worshipped so bad that he says if we want the rocks, we'll cry out. Well, hang on a minute. There's no rock going to get my, my blessing. I need to praise him. I, he wishes for me to worship, so I will worship. If he wishes that I'd get my hands dirty, if he wishes I'd give of my time, if he wishes I'd serve, if he wishes I'd sweat, then I got the corner on the market on that. I can sweat with the best of them. I will sweat simply because he wished me to. You don't have to command me to. Some of y'all sitting around was saying, man, I just need God to give me a word. Give me a command. No, you don't. He wishes you would do some stuff. Just do that. You would make a huge difference. We so desperately want to make a difference for the king that no command is needed. I simply respond to his wish. In the New Testament, you see that same type of action taken by the woman who anoints Jesus' feet in worship. It was a sacrifice made to Jesus, not by command. Jesus never said, get your rear in here and break that perfume box over my feet. Right now, I'm the king, I demand it. Didn't ever do that. She was just so committed to the king that she knew he deserved to be worshipped that he wished to be worshipped. So she breaks into the dinner, interrupts it, and anoints his feet. That's what it's talking about right there. Perhaps we would make a bigger difference if we would mature enough and develop enough in our devotion to go beyond, to go beyond, to go beyond what we're commanded to do and we would begin to operate on what he wishes we would do. And I also want to just make, mention something uh, just briefly. I want you to notice that, Jesus, that David wished for water from the well of Bethlehem. Get the picture now. David is hid up in this cave of Adullam. He wishes for water in Bethlehem, somewhere between 12 and 20 miles. Can I tell you from those that went with us to Israel, you know this to be true, there are wells all over Israel. So the, the, the guys hear David say, I wish for water from the well of Bethlehem. Can I just inform you that when they start on out, on the, out on that journey, they're going to come past a different well. They could have stopped and substituted that water for the water from Bethlehem. It would have been easier. It would have been more convenient. It wouldn't have been as risky. And the truth is David would have probably never known. But those three guys are so committed to the king that they refuse to substitute some other water for the water that he wished for and they go get the exact water he wished for. Can I just challenge you this morning because some of us, I think, are making substitutions. We're obeying in one area as a substitute. All we're really doing is substituting obedience in one area so that perhaps maybe the king won't notice that we're disobeying in another area. And I will serve you in church and I'll worship harder than anybody else because I know there's another area of my life that you wished I would get under control. But maybe if I substitute worship on Sunday, you'll let me get, get by with what I'm doing on Saturday. And I just want to tell you this morning that if we're going to mature and make a difference and grow up, then at this point we've got to make up our mind that we will fulfill the king's wish exactly. Whatever he says, we do it. No negotiations, no substitutions. We do it exactly like he tells us to do it or how he wishes us to do it. 
And third, I want you to notice what David does. He's given this water and he recognizes that it came at great risk and that, that the men uh, were risking their very lives. Three of his best men, three top officers in his army are risking their lives. And so they bring this water back. How, I don't know, did they keep it cool? Did they have a, uh, a Yeti? I don't, know, I don't know what they had. I don't know after 20 miles of fighting through the hot desert if I want that water anymore because it might not taste so good. But anyway, they bring it back, right? They got it on ice. I don't know what they did. I just know they brought it back. And David does something interesting. He pours it out. When I read that, I think the reason I've passed over this passage of scripture long is because if I was one of those three guys, I'm going to tell you right now, if I'm going to Burger King to get you a Whopper, I don't care if you like a Whopper. You're going to eat that Whopper because I went out of my way. I went through the line. It took me five hours because they won't let, um, they got the smallest parking lot known to mankind and their drive through is, is a shamble. So, so uh, uh, I don't care if you wanted a cheeseburger with mayonnaise only. If it's got pickles, mustard, cucumbers, uh, Zucchini, I don't know what they put on it. Peanut butter and jelly. You're eating it because I went out of my way. They show up and they bring this and they lay it at David's feet and the joker grabs it and pours it out. I'm like, what in the world? I am insulted. I'm mad at you. But David pours this water out before the Lord. It's a key phrase. You got to understand what's happening in this account. In essence, do you understand that what is happening is he is he is pouring it out. It says he pours it out like the blood of men. He is making a drink offering. You got to go back and read your Bible in the Old Testament. There's an offering that could be made called a drink offering. David is literally operating as a priest. He's taking what they've sacrificed their life for, what they've risked their life for, and he pours it out as unto the Lord. And I want you to understand that if we're going to make a difference, then we must make this final move. And that is we move from man to God. Because we are encouraged that what was given, what was sacrificed, how they served was an offering to God. And Lo and behold, in the New Testament, the, the part of the Bible that we know is about us, we're encouraged to do the same thing, to make this move. It's found in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Listen to what it says very carefully. Listen, this applies to us. This applies to, now listen, the setting is different. In Colossians, Paul is talking to literal slaves. They had slaves, slave owners. Okay, so that's the environment that's being discussed, but it still applies to us. Listen to what he says. He says, servants, in one version it says slaves, do what you're told by your earthly masters. Wait, slavery's wrong. We know that. But Paul's saying, even in a wrong system, move from man to God. Even in a broken system, move from man to God to God. Listen to what he says. Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. Do your best work from the heart for your real master. Did you get it? For God. 
confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always, listen, that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible. Listen to what he says right here, a powerful statement. Being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. What? I mean, I'm working for Burger King. No, you're not. Not if you make this move. I worked for Hardee's. I did. And there were days it was really difficult at 4.30 in the morning when I'm flipping sausage on the grill for me to remember that I'm not working for Hardee's. I'm working for Jesus. I think we failed to make the difference that we could make because we failed to remember that we're not doing what we're doing for man. That, that's why that's why when our volunteers come out and serve in the pantry and, and people pull up in nicer cars than you're driving and they're asking for handouts, no matter. We're not doing it for them. We're doing it for him. That's why I'm back to school drive-thru, people pulling up in cars I can't even I can't even make the down payment on, much less the payment. I couldn't have, I can't afford the tag dialing tax. And they're asking for free backpacks because they're spending all their money on their car. They can't afford backpacks. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, I'm not doing it for them. That's why the worship team comes here and worship when sometimes worshiping with with the way some okay it's difficult sometimes but they're not worshiping for you they're worshiping him if we could ever listen that's why if you're working for Dale and they're writing your paycheck you ought to be the best employee at Dale not because you're working for Dale but because you're working for Jesus that's why if you're at Southwestern and you're working as a student you ought to make the very best grades you can make not because you're trying to make the honors roll I hope you do but because you're doing it for Jesus that's why if you're playing a sport you may not be the most talented gifted player on the field but you give it everything you've got at every moment you never take a playoff not because you're trying to impress your coach but because you're doing it for Jesus that's why I can jump in and serve and sacrifice even when I don't like the person in charge some of y'all don't like your boss doesn't matter if you make this move some of you don't like the team leader here doesn't matter if you make this move I don't like him going to serve. Listen, you're not serving them. You're serving him. You're not getting their job done. You're getting his job done. And I just want you to understand that as we do whatever it is we're doing, whatever the wishes of the king are for our lives, if it's singing, it's it's ushering, it's children's ministry, if it's handing out food, if it's handing out water, if it's hugging somebody, if it's being nicer than everybody else at work, if it's posting positive on Facebook when everybody else is posting negative. Whatever his wishes, I'm doing it. But I need you to understand why I'm doing it. I am pouring that stuff out like a drink offering. It's a sacrifice to the king. So what are you doing? How are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? You want to graduate? Make the most difference you will ever make in your entire life? Begin to do anything you do for him. That includes parenting. That includes spousing. New word. 
That includes friending. I got to add ING on everything now. That includes shopping. That includes spending. That includes talking. That includes posting. That includes every ing you can think of. Whatever you're inging, we're doing for Him. Why do you think I'm preaching? Not for you, although I enjoy you. It's a lot more fun like this than online. But I ain't doing this for you. I'm doing this for Him. You don't have to, you don't have, to have a mic. You don't have to be miking to do this. Just in your average, everyday, what you think is mundane life, every moment of your life, just think of it like this and you will start to make the biggest difference you can. God, I'm, I'm pouring this thing out. I'm sacrificing all this effort, time, energy, this sweat. I'm folding clothes I didn't want to fold. I'm, I'm washing people's clothes I didn't want to wash. I, I, I'm, I'm doing all this. All I'm doing is I'm just, I'm just pouring it out. It's just a drink offering. It's just a drink offering. It's just a drink offering. And let me tell you, your attitude changes when you recognize you're doing it for him. Father, this morning, this morning I'm praying that we would as a body, as individuals we would learn to move from gift to gifts God there are individuals in this congregation right now that are making a difference there's no doubt about it, we would all testify they are making a difference but Father I pray that you would challenge us this morning that we are not called to do this by ourselves, there are other gifts in the room that if we would combine our gifts with those gifts the result would be exponentially different. We would move from addition to multiplication. Father, if there's a lone ranger in here that thinks I can do this all by myself, I pray in this moment, you would challenge us to combine our gifts with someone else. Father, if there's anybody withholding their gift because they don't think their gift matters, I pray that you would challenge them this morning that their gift has an unbelievable impact on our ability to make a significant difference in this community. And I pray that we'd get in the fight with one another. God, I pray this morning that we would move from commands to wishes. God, we're familiar with all the stuff that you tell us we have to do. But I'm praying that my family that's sitting here today because passion is my family. I pray that as, as a family, we would move and we would mature enough that we don't just operate on what you command us to do. We begin to be so devoted to your heart that we would literally do what you wish we would do. We have the right to clock out. We have the right to opt out. But we say, no way. We're not going to substitute anything else but your wish. We will go after your wish. So on Sundays when we gather, we know you wish that we would worship, so we worship you with everything we've got. You know, on Monday at work, you wish that we would treat people right and that we would represent you well, so we will. You wish that we would do all this. God, we just hear just the slightest whisper of a wish, and your wish becomes our command. God, I pray that we would make this graduation. We would graduate today from doing what we do for the applause, the attention of men. And instead, we would recognize that everything that we do, we do for you. God, I know there are some folks in here that are tired, 
I know there are folks in here that are environments that makes it difficult for them to even recognize that fact and they feel like at times that the people around them is the one they're the ones we're serving and it becomes very taxing instead this morning I pray that we would graduate we would grow up to this place where we recognize we're not doing it for them they get the benefit but we're not doing it for them we're doing it as service as a sacrifice as a drink offering to Jesus and because it's for Jesus anything less than best will never suffice we will go an extra mile we'll give extra energy we'll give every ounce of our effort until we have nothing left simply because Jesus you're worth it you deserve it and so we worship you we don't normally do this would you just stand with me real quick stand with me would you just throw up your hands for just a moment and would you just for about the next 15 20 seconds would you just in this moment begin to worship him let's go back what, is that is that the last song we sang right there sing that let's sing that and let's sing it as an act of service this morning come on would you do that Jesus, I pour out my all at work, at school, at play, at home. I pour it all out like a drink offering before you. I give it as if it's my my all. It's my best. I don't take a. I don't. I, I don't let down. I don't do shoddy work. I don't do half-hearted. I I give you my all. I surrender it all to you. because you're worthy so father this morning I pray that we would make that ultimate move from man to God and we'll give you glory and honor praise in Jesus name come on would you give him a shout that's worthy of the king this morning worthy of the king this morning come on Austin
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. 